0: Welcome to the Bay Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. You can find out more about us on our website at thebaychurch.co.uk. Okay, now a few months ago, I watched a film on Channel 4 called Risen. Hands up who's seen it? It's a biblical drama and it's starring Joseph Fiennes, as you can see there from the picture. And he plays the role of Clavius, a Roman tribune who witnesses the crucifixion of Jesus and is then ordered by Pontius Pilate to investigate the rumours of a risen Jewish messiah. Now, Clavius's pursuit of the disciples results in him having a face-to-face encounter with the resurrected Jesus. So one moment he's watching him die on a cross, and then he's going to go and sort out this rumor. And then in following the disciples, he's confronted face-to-face with the resurrected Jesus. And just to add even more to that, this Jesus then physically disappears in his presence, goes like that so Clavius is quite overwhelmed and changed by this experience so much so that he decides to follow the disciples and there's one scene in particular that I remember well Clavius and the disciples are reunited with the risen Jesus on the shores of Galilee this is just after he's told them to throw out their nets and bring in and they they catch all the fish and it was night and the disciples were asleep but clavius because he's kind of come to terms with everything that he's experienced he's restless and he notices jesus sat alone on a hillside so he approaches him and sits nearby and jesus being jesus engages him in conversation and sensing his inner turmoil Jesus looks Clavius straight in the face, directing his eyes, and says to him, "What is it that you most fear?"?" And then there's this pause, and then Clavius replies, "Being wrong." And when I watched this film, my spirit leapt at that point, you know in fact... If I'm really honest with you, I knew what he was going to say before he said it, because my spirit was actually must have read the the, you know the The script. script, Yeah, it was (laughs) it was ahead of it because he said it he said it in my spirit and then he said it on the film and that's why it had such an impact on me. Not because it's a great film. I mean, it's quite low budget, but there was that bit there where it impacted me, and the reason is that that same fear characterizes Christianity for many believers being wrong they're concerned about being wrong because despite being birthed into the kingdom supernaturally many of us and I would say possibly most of us we ultimately settle for a knowledge-based faith a Christian lifestyle that's rooted in doctrine and scripture And that's why being wrong is so problematic. Because if your foundation is wrong, if you're basing your life decisions, your language, your conversation, your opinions, your Facebook posts, your rants on Twitter, if all that is based on incorrect knowledge, if it's coming from the wrong place, then you are in error. And you're straying from the straight and narrow. Now, this isn't a surprise to most Christians, or most churches anyway, because various Christian streams, denominations, and church groups have tried to minimize this problem by offering processed theology. Pre-packed, checked, leadership-approved, ready to consume just telling you what to believe telling you what to think sometimes how to act pop it in the microwave available in a variety of flavors I've put one flavor on that one I wasn't particularly picking on that flavor because there are other ones other ones available and also you have to Watch out for the little red Bible logo which ensures quality. (laughs) (laughs) Christianity, however, is not based on right or wrong. It's not based on knowledge accumulation. Christianity, I believe, first and foremost, is a mystical encounter. What's that, you might think? Sounds a bit off. Sounds a bit dodgy. What's a mystic? You know. Well, this quote by David Benner might help a little bit to fill in the gaps. He says, Christian mystics are much more defined by their longing than by their experiences. They long to know God's love and thereby to be filled with the very fullness of God. That's the essence of Christianity, not right and wrong. And therefore, following on from that, to understand the basis of who we really are, we need to realize that we are spirit beings with a soul living in a body. Not new for some of you, but I don't know if you think about yourself as a spirit being with a soul living in a body. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 confirms this tripartite arrangement. It says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're much more complicated than we actually think we are. And if we don't understand our, com- our complication, it can actually cause us problems. Yeah. If we don't understand how we're put together, then we could have problems. It's interesting that scripture places the order spirit, soul and body, whereas m- most people refer to it as body, soul and spirit. Which I think is interesting and shows the priority and the importance that scripture places on spirit and the, the priority that we place on body, the bits that we preen and spend money on. Anyway, I'm going to put a, a, a well-known diagram up, which many of you have seen before, which shows you this. It's like a target diagram for those who are listening. I hope you're all listening as well. Um, <laughs> body, soul and spirit. And it kind of crudely breaks down the different aspects of how we're put together. Our body, there, as you can see, um, which has got the, seven, the five senses, touch, smell, taste, sight and hearing. Our speech, it's what we act through, you know. It's what we inter- interact with the world through. Our soul, which is our mind, our emotions, our will, our choices, our conscience, our imagination, our reason, our personality in many ways. It's the decision-making HQ for most people. That's the bit that most people f- make their decisions in, in, within their soul. And then the spirit is our like communication center with God. And that, in a very crude sense, is a picture of you. That's how you're put together. Before your spiritual birth, like from when you were a small child growing up. You received input from the outside world through your senses. Through through touching, through tasting, through seeing, through hearing, through, through all the five senses. And for many years you depended on this information flow for your growth and your development. It says in Genesis 2 that God made man. And that Adam was created a spiritual being. A spiritual being. I wonder what he looked like. I don't think he definitely looked like all the artwork that we see of Adam. This naked bloke. Sometimes as a naked woman with well-placed leaves. You know. I don't think he looked like that at all. I think we would be quite surprised if we could go back and actually see what Adam looked like. I mean, it talks about Adam and Eve realizing that they were naked after the fall. I think before the fall, he wasn't naked because he was clothed in his spirit. The spirit was the important aspect of the dimension of his body. And it was almost as though he was clothed with his spirit. And then when he chose the knowledge of good and evil and sinned, he became a human being and his spirit was dead. And therefore, consequently, everybody who's been born after that, we were all dead. We were born human beings, in that sense, dead in our spirit. But then when Jesus won victory on the cross, he gave us the capacity to be born again and to come into a relationship with God to reclaim our original destiny. It meant that we could first and foremost become a spiritual being once again. That we could have God himself dwelling within us. A bit like getting a download or an upgrade on your a new operating system. That's what it was like. Before salvation our spirit was totally unconnected to God. And we made our own decisions through our soul. Our mind, our emotions, our will dominated our body. And whatever we were doing. We were self-centered. Offering only conditional love. But God's order is clear. His order is that the Holy Spirit leads our spirit... Our spirit leads our soul. Our soul leads our body. That's the divine order. That's, that's how God wants us to tick. <coughs> we were created to be spirit, soul and body with the spirit taking the lead, not the soul taking the lead. But because our spirit was dead to God, Our soul has become accustomed to having its own way. And for many of us, in our spiritual walk, our soul is still having its own way. And that's the problem that we encounter. When we're born again, our spirit became alive. And a spiritually alive person uses their soul as a vehicle for the spirit they take what's happening internally the revelation of God and they use the soul to reveal it outwardly the soul is meant as a link between body and spirit it's designed to introduce the wisdom and values of the spiritual realm into the natural realm that's what it's meant to do and when the soul comes under the influence of the Spirit, life and peace are the result. No internal strife at all. And then suddenly, we don't have to know everything. We don't need a systematic theology. We just become wise about where we stand at any given moment. We don't know how everything will work out, but we learn to be happy with the process of getting there. There is a contentment with us. But a soul in charge of its own spirituality often becomes religious and pharisaical. And religion provides a set of external rules so that our soul strives to keep so that it can maintain control of its destiny. Our souls, you know, I mean I became a Christian when I was 20. My soul had run the show up to that point. It wasn't, it's not gonna give in easily after that. It still wants a shout. It still wants a dog in the race. You know, it still wants to do something. And therefore, religion gives it this opportunity. It's almost a false sense of being godly. Are we doing good works to earn forgiveness or brownie points? Are we paying tithes and are we paying over offerings out of obligation? Our theology... Tends to cause us to interpret everything through its filter. We're all to blame in this sense. You have a certain belief structure about God. Whether you call it a theology is another matter. And everything that you view, everything that you see, everything that you react to. you, You filter through that. So something happens on the other side of the world. Certain Christians make a pronouncement you react to it in relation to how you filter it through your theology. And it takes a significant experience, it takes almost a trauma in our life to shake us loose from the limitations of what we already believe. It's amazing how we hold on to some crap for so long just because we're used to it and because we we don't want to be wrong. The fear of being wrong stops us from holding loosely to our theology. Proverbs 3 verse 5, well known, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not not rely on your own understanding. Or another way of saying it, and you'll have seen this before, you can trust the voice of God's Spirit in your heart more than you can trust the reasoned theology of your mind. But for most of us, we flip that and we trust the reasoned, hard-earned, well-read theology of our mind more than the voice of God in our heart, very often. Now when I... When, when that, phrase that impacted me years ago and and God planted it deep within my heart and to me that is like scripture that is as good as scripture when God speaks truth into your heart and it's been tailored and it's bespoke and it's for you, it is good as scripture, in some ways it's better than scripture that is as good as scripture for me Our soul usually wants recognition, it wants status, it wants position, it wants titles, it wants fame, whereas the spirit is just content to live in the presence of God. Doesn't that sound great? When I wrote it I thought that sounds so good. No, the, the environment that those words conjure up just sounds so good. There's, there's, there's rest there. There's no striving there. There's trust there. When we encounter God, and we encounter God in many ways, but when God breaks through into our life in new ways, we shouldn't rely on our existing understanding but only on continual living relationship that's what we should do we should go with the flow very often we don't very often we think we, we check it we check it and we filter it and we look down our grid and we look at our theology and we say is this right is this wrong is it, what's this, what's the implications for this is God going to make me do something that I don't want to do And and in many ways we kill it off. We strangle it at birth. We don't renew our mind by memorizing Bible verses and confessing them. Right? Trying to believe them. Trying to manufacture revelation. You can't convert any old scripture into revelation and truth because without the spirit that any old scripture is mere words might sound might sound dodgy to some of you but think it through it's mere words unless unless it is the spirit breathes upon it it's just mere words we are to renew we are to renew here we go We are renewed from within as we relate to God, who is Father, Son, and Spirit in us. Bible study, bane of my life. For most people, Bible study is an intellectual pursuit, it's an intellectual exercise. And very often, all it is, is we, we drag out our favorite authors, we drag out our favorite commentary to make sure that what we're reading and what we're understanding fits the bill because we don't want to be wrong. So very often, Bible study can reinforce old thinking. So at the start of a new year, a new decade, can I suggest that you investigate and try something new. Okay? Lecchio Divina, that's the Yorkshire pronunciation, (laughs) is an ancient way of Bible reading. Right? Scribble it down. I recommend that you look into that. Because it it, it 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 embraces meditation, Bible, biblical meditation. I know some people get, you know, a bit funny with words like meditation, but biblical meditation. Give it a go. Very often, what we think is true, or truth, what we see as God's perspective is nothing more than our soul accessing our mind's theology store. You only have to go on Facebook or on the internet to understand that this happens all over the place. That's why Christians fall out. That's why they say nasty things about one another. Because they're all coming from their perspective. And what they're doing is they are taking what they think is divine truth from their theology store, which they've honed over the years. They would be very surprised in some circumstances if they actually accessed their spirit to determine what the outcome of a particular thing would be rather than their theology store. Sometimes God turns everything on his head completely. And the answer is something which just does not fit in with our grid. I mean, how dare (laughs) he? When we access our theology store, it is not necessarily revelation and life. Our reasoned theology, that's all the stuff that we've thought through and mentally stored, is not really as important as we think it is. And in many cases it is often a hindrance. To know our identity in him, we need our minds renewed and, jargon word coming up, deconstructed. It's the jargon, it's the jargon word. It's a new buzzword. You've got to, got to go with the flow on this, right? Deconstructed from all our limited restricting belief systems which we have. God does not live within our theology. If you you hear nothing else this morning, hear that. God does not live within your theology. He lives in our spirit. He lives in our heart. We mustn't let current understanding keep us in bondage to the limitations of our past experience. We become religious when we manage our spirituality and with religiosity comes control and with control comes the desire to dominate. So what happens is it leads to other people being condemned and judged if they don't see things our way. Who have you condemned or judged recently? Was it from a position of theological superiority? Did you know better than they did, so you needed to put them right? It's easy, it's so easy to do. So easy to do. Knowledge lives in our head, but the wisdom of God flows from our spirit. And the only cure for a closed heart is a revelation of the real love of God. When our soul agrees with our spirit, the life of God in us will manifest itself in our physical body. We'll experience healing, we'll experience deliverance, we'll experience anointing, power, joy and so on. if we do not win the battle of spirit over soul we will never inherit the fullness of God is that serious? that's why we need to know our makeup that's why we need to know how much are we actually picking from our theology box and how much are we hearing the spirit if the spirit of Christ doesn't lead our soul We will always require reassurance about our relationship with God. Because we'll never be certain. We'll always keep going back. Does he really love me? God has so much more for us. His spirit longs to mingle with our spirit, giving us wisdom, revelation, assurance, and love that will develop us as spiritual beings. The first step is to use our will to choose to come under our spirit's leading. For that to happen, we have to have a strong spirit. We have to build our spirit. Okay? How? Good question. Because I'm not here this morning offering a foolproof five-part plan. Very often, awesome. I mean, it's a, it's a weird thing that we do anyway, isn't it, on a Sunday morning? We sing a few songs and everybody just sits down, listening to somebody to talk. We have a cup of coffee and we go home. And that's church. It's really weird, isn't it? But we've even got into the habit where somebody says something and then the response is, well, I want that right away, because I live in a microwave age where everything has to be instant. So can I come to the front and somebody will lay hands on me and that's sorted on my life. And we'll have next week's message just doesn't work that way very often it just does not work that way that's why I'm not offering a foolproof five-part plan in fact if anything I've got more questions than I've got answers if I have stirred up questions in you then that's great that's what I would hope to do because this needs to be the start of a questioning journey for you Not a desire for a quick fix. It requires a hunger and a longing. A willingness to allow old thinking to deconstruct. While trusting God in the process. Sometimes we have more faith in our theology than we do in God. Our theology. The one that we've chosen because it fits in with our viewpoint of life. We have more faith in that. To think that we could deconstruct that, we could give bits of it away or or just let the spirit blow through that. We are concerned that we might be led astray or that we'll be rocked. We need to be rocked, some of us. We need to be rocked. We need... An enema for the mind. (laughs) What you currently believe has got you to where you are. But Father God has so much more. So much more for you. As I say, I have no quick fix answers. But a lifestyle which includes the following is helpful for building your spirit ensure that you give God first place first love first priority pray or and or sing in tongues tongues is so underrated when I was when I was a young Christian everybody was clamoring for tongues it was like a charismatic medal that you got you know (laughs) People were desperate to be baptized in the Spirit and speak in tongues. They were speaking in tongues all over the place. You couldn't shut them up. Now, it's like falling on the floor. People don't fall on the floor anymore. Have you noticed? People don't fall on the floor. At one time, five years ago here, this place was like mayhem. Bodies all over the place. People falling over. Tongues, as it says in Scripture, edifies you. It builds you up. Especially for personal use. In your prayer time, it builds you up. Wait on God and be still. I know. We're all busy people, or some people are more busy than others. But if, you, if you're too busy to wait on God and be still, you are too busy. Simple as that. Meditate on scripture passages. The Bible talks about meditating on, on scripture. I would go out on a limb as far as to say that the Bible doesn't say study the Bible. The English version of the word study, if you go back to what it says, it not study. We can't even trust our own English Bibles now. (laughs) If you meditate on scripture passages, it gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to take you places where you didn't know you were going to go. If you study the Bible and you get out your pet concordance, really you're just supporting your home view. It's much more exciting to meditate on scripture passages. And that that thing I said you should try out is is partly based on that. Soak in the presence of God. Just spend time soaking in God's presence. All of that is not a solution, but it creates an environment which will help and persevere because it won't happen in a day you can't just pop off to a conference and you know for a weekend with some high-powered teachers or whatever and come back sufficiently different you might get pointed in the right direction it requires us to have that longing and to have that hunger let's pray you can stay sat down because you're not going to do anything other than listen Father God, as we embark on a new year, a new decade, I pray that your Holy Spirit will stir us up and challenge our complacency. May we put aside old thinking and any theological superiority as we hunger and long for a fresh revelation of your love and a greater experience of your presence and fullness come and get us Lord Amen Amen.